unbelievable. Well, I'm recording now. Sorry, listeners. You missed gold. <laughs> you missed gold, and it cannot be repeated. But we will try. So, Ma, are you ready? I'm ready, Erin. Can I tell the people where we're going? I want you to do it the way you want to, please. We're going to Paris because we saw Nunachka. Nunachka. <laughs> you missed a longer version, people, but she wasn't recording at the time. We are going to 1939 Paris for our film Nunachka. Nerd alert! What is it? It's a, on the pronunciation. Because remember, I was always referring to this film as Nino Chinka. Yes. For some, it was like it had to do some. It was learning disabilities, is why I called it Nino Chinka. But it's Nanochka. But in Russian, it's really Ninochka. 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 And not this is on the first syllable. Not Ninochka. As they said it in the film. Because it's an endearing form of Nina. Which I think that Nina is an endearing form of Ninochka. <laughs> I feel like I have deja vu. Little baby Ninochka is so cute. Because they have to add chka to everything to make it endearing. Yeah, you would be Lizka. And you would be Erinchka. 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 Mm -hmm. Well, this is about a Soviet agent or envoy who comes to Paris and is warmed up a bit by Paris and by a man. <laughs> well, that's one way to capsize it. <laughs> I mean, cap. Well, what is that? Cap. You know what I mean? To synthesize yeah. it, summarize it, capsulate yeah. it was what I was thinking. Capsulate, uh, capsulate it. Okay. Yes. Well, it did I already say 1939 Paris? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so it's important that it's after the big war, but before the second one. But also notice that it is after um, what's her face and what's his face and hemophilia and all them was wiped out. Oh, yeah. It was after Ale Alexandra and Nicholas and Alexandra. Right. So the, the royalty the... has been taken out back, put down. No, taken to the cellar. Taken to the cellar. That's right. They were taken to the cellar, put down. Then Ingrid Bergman shows up in this movie saying she's Anastasia. Which I also did a... a a very good uh, research project on. And so if you're keeping track, that's Anastasia and safety matches. <laughs> <laughs> Not fair to do that when I'm taking a drink. Oh, this is what the people love. <laughs> and I'm really sorry I missed your whole comedy routine about <laughs> the safety matches and, and corduroy pants in your thighs because it was hilarious. Yeah, there, you, I couldn't tell. I thought it that it was. I thought that I was like, well, this was the dumbest thing I've ever said in my life. No, I was laughing out loud when I re-listened. It helps if you laugh when it's said. Since it is a podcast, the particulars, please. Mm, nope. Now that I'm drinking my mint julep. 
Oh, mm-hmm. yes, because it is Kentucky Derby it's Day. It's Derby Day, people. Derby Day. So she has a mint julep. I'm sticking with my gin gimlet. Thank mm, you. My old Kentucky home. I wonder if anybody, because remember there was all that Kate Smith controversy, if anybody's going to be like, you know, these aren't the real lyrics to this song. These aren't no, the I'm OG sure she's saying the real lyrics. Yeah. I'm sure she did. All right. So the particulars. Ninochka was released November 9th, 1939. It was directed by Ernest Luptich. Luptich. The Luptich Touch. The Luptich Touch. Remember, we did his film, The Shop Around the Corner, and it was very delightful. And in that podcast, we talk all about his touch, how he he combined, um, he always had a sense of humor for things, and it was very light and fun. Yes. But it also had, like, substance to it. Yes. But yet, the substance was handled in a very light and cheerful way. You weren't bombarded with it. Yeah. And I think like we'll get into this later. It it was like it definitely had its point of view, but it would also take into account other the other point of view. Yeah. And have jokes going both ways. Yeah. Um he also did Heaven Can Wait, Trouble in Paradise, and To Be or Not to Be, to name a few. He did other movies too. The screenplay was by Melchor Len Lengel. I'm not having a good reading day, guys, just to let you know. Well, and it's kind of Russian. Are they Russians? Um, the originals? I don't know, but okay, like yeah, um, like a lot of uh German and um, like Jewish people. Okay, okay, but of like the German European thing, like Russia German, like you know the people who at this time were kind of uh, feeling the heat, like. Guys, (laughs) Guys, <laughs> there's a bit of a situation and it is escalating rather quickly for us. Right. Don't wait around. Right. Read the signs now. Remember Cabaret. Right. Uh, we got to get out now. Um, he also wrote The Gypsy Baron, The Famous Woman, and To Be or Not To Be. Uh, Charles hmm. Brackett, he collaborated a lot with Billy Wilder. Sunset Boulevard, The Lost Weekend, oh, they wrote that twice, A Foreign Affair, Niagara, and Journey to the Center of the Earth. Uh, mm-hmm. Walter Reich, he did Gaslight, uh-huh. Comrade X, mm-hmm. That Hamilton Woman, and Liza too, and The Mosquito. Oh, interesting. Mm-hmm. And Billy Wilder, I mean, come on, guys. Like, if you don't know it by now, Billy Wilder, Sunset Boulevard, um, Double Indemnity we did last week, Some Like It Hot, The Apartment. He's a staple of Gone with the Bushes. Yeah, we see Billy Wilder. We kind of pick his his films. Well, we're going to end up going through all of his movies. We will. Okay. And Billy Wilder, remember how it was... um, who is it was like, what would Billy Wilder do? And then Billy Wilder's was what would Ernest Luptich do? Yeah. And we got them both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Ninochka. The story was by Mechelor Lengiel. It's, I'll spell it. Cause I know I'm butchering that. 
It's L-E-N-G-Y-E-L. Okay. Music by Werner R. Heyman. Mm. He also did the music for Faust by F.W. Murnau, Spies by Fritz Lang. He also did the music for The Shop Around the Corner, To Be or Not to Be, and Hail the Conquering Hero. Huh? We, I don't think we've done a Preston Sturgis film, or maybe we've done one, but we're going to remedy that soon because yeah. he's also one of my favorite directors. And so this music guy worked with uh, Billy Wilder and Preston Sturgis. Ooh. Damn. Cinematography by William H. Daniels. He was known as Garbo's personal lensman. Ah. He won an Oscar for The Naked City. He also was the director... He also did the cinematography for Flesh and the Devil, Matahari, Grand Hotel, The Shop Around the Corner. I hear you laughing at me. (laughs) Harvey, Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, Ocean's Eleven, All the Fine Young Cannibals, In Like Flint, Valley of the Dolls, and How the West Was Won. What a varied career. This was just to name a few of his. I just picked out the, the titles of movies I knew. Valley of the Dolls and How the West Was Won. Those are two pretty different films. Yeah. Okay. And edited by Gene Ruggiero. And there wasn't a hyperlink for this guy. Okay. Well, he did a fine job. I thought he did fantastic, Gene. Big ups. The cast. Mm. Boom. Right. This is 1939. Right off the bat. Who's in this movie? Before you even know what the movie is, it says Greta Garbo. And then comes the name of the film. It's Greta Garbo in Ninochka. Yeah. This is our first Greta Garbo movie. It is. And I have to say, it's the first time I've ever seen Greta Garbo, a Greta Garbo joint. It's the first time I paid attention to the fact that it was Greta Garbo. I've known about this broad for so long. Just that, you know, Greta Garbo, she was, she was the bee's knees. She was probably, take what, take Julia Roberts in the mid-90s yeah, and like multiply that. She started out in silent film. She did. She was in silent film. She was in Flesh and the Devil, uh, Joyless Street, Torrent, The Kiss. I mean, these movies, we don't know what they are. We don't. But they were hits. They were just straight up bangers. It was one after the other after the other. And then everybody was very nervous because Greta Garbo was Swedish. And in the late 20s, a thing comes around called talkies. And that murdered the career of many a film actor. Because these people that you had seen on the screen all of a sudden they're opening their mouths and you think, man, that woman is very sexy. And all of a sudden she talks like this. <laughs> Hello. Or, or he talks rather in a, in a very quiet, yeah. high-pitched voice. That guy, that man talks like that. So a lot of people got taken out the game and MGM, her studio at the time, I believe, whatever her studio is at the time was, I'm pretty sure it was MGM because Urban Thalberg was like all up in that and Louis B. Mayer and stuff. Um, 
by all up in that, I don't mean that they had. Oh yeah, that was that was that was not politically <laughs> that kind correct. of relationship. I mean that he he was just. I saw his name a lot in her Wikipedia page while I was reading it. Is what oh, I'm trying to say. <laughs> so, um, the when the talkies came around, they waited because again she was not. You know, contrary to what Americans think, not everyone knows English right off the bat. And so they worried about her accent. And, you know, how's it going to sound? We've we've watched the carnage of all these famous people go up and just be taken out by the audience laughing at the way they sound. So they delayed it and they made their they resisted very hard. And it was like, you know, the sound thing, it's not going away. Apparently the people like it. And so they made their last, her last silent film, The Kiss, was the last silent film that MGM made. And then she went in, and it was a famous campaign for the movie Anna Christie. It was, the tagline was Garbo Talks. Yes. And so she did that, and then she was in Susan Lennox, Her Fall and Rise with a young Clark Gable. She basically put him on the map. Then she was in Matahari. Then she was in the Grand Hotel, which we have to do because that cast is crazy loaded. And then she did this. And then she did the Two-Faced Woman. And then she was out. She just, that was the last film and she retired. And we'll get Mm -hmm. into that later. Okay. And then we have Melvin Douglas. Oh, as yeah. Count Leon de Algolt. He was I, in... I just call him Leo. Yeah, you're Leo. He was in HUD. He was in Being There. Never Sang for My Father. The Changeling. Ghost Story. And Inherit the Wind. And then those are all a lot of his more later works. But he, this guy was in like a ton of things. And I thought it was crazy because I had never heard of him before. Nor had I. And you're several... Yeah, um, years younger. So I I hadn't heard of him. But when I saw his performance, I was like, why haven't I heard of this guy? This yeah. guy's amazing. Nerd alert, he's the grandfather of actress Ilya Douglas. Okay. You know who she is. You'll Do look I? her up and you'll be like, oh, yeah, her. Okay. Mm, she has really big eyes not going to look her up right now because I'm not going down a rabbit hole today. Mm. Mm. I'm here for you. Other people can look her up and they'll be like, oh yeah, wow. Because that's how I was. I was like, oh. Ina Claire, she was the Grand Duchess Swana. Yeah. This is her most favorite role, her most famous role. But she was a stage actress big time. She was in Vaudeville. She was in Cecil B. DeMille's The Wild Goose Chase. Nerd Alert. She was married to John Gilbert from 1929 to 1931. And John Gilbert is probably one of those. He was a huge star, but he had a crazy life. Um, he had an affair with Greta Garbo. Like this guy was big, a big deal, a big time actor. And he basically drank himself to death. I think there's a great, um, what's that podcast called? You must remember this. They talk about him and you're just like, damn, this guy, why don't you put the bottle down, John? But he couldn't. He had a disease. A star is born. 
basically. One, two, three, and four. So she was married to him from 1929 to 1931. We have. Wow, that wasn't very long. Oh, man. These people, like, these, uh, the actors and actresses in these times, these. these 1920s and 30s and stuff you go you click on their names they have like minimum five spouses they just went through marriages yeah they just like yeah might as well put a ring on it i don't like it take it off that's crazy so we have sig ruman he played ironoff he was in a bunch of marx brothers movies like he night looked at, like a Marx brother. Night at the Opera, A Day at the Races, Night in Casablanca, To Be or Not to Be, Emperor's Waltz, Stalag 17, The Fortune Cookie. He was uncredited as the landlord in White Christmas. He was German-American, so because he was tall. He's the tall guy, Ma. He wasn't the one with the glasses. That guy's next. Oh. He was like the tall guy. And with his German accent, he did he played a lot of Nazis at this time cuz you know, that's when did. they were popping off. So, he got a lot of work. He he got a he got a nice beach house off of those Nazis. Oh, it's problematic. Well, I, I can't be sure, but I think he's Jewish. So, I say, oh, well, then well done. I don't know. I don't know. I do know for a fact that Felix Bressert is. He played Buljanov. Buljanov. Buljanov with two Fs. Is that with one F or two Fs? Two Fs. He was in, we saw him in the shop around the corner. Yes, we did. Mm-hmm. He was in Comrade X and also To Be or Not To Be, just to name a few. And we have Alexander Granoch. He was Kapolsky. He was in Camera Obscura, Nosferatu, For Whom the Bell Tolls. This was his first American film appearance. And then we have um, this guy, Rolf Sedan. He was the hotel manager. And he's interesting because this guy made a career of just being parts like the hotel manager. Bit parts. Not even, like, they were bit parts, often uncredited. It's weird because he he got a lot of the parts that, um, like, a lot of the black actors would get at the time. Oh. Your porter, your hotel manager, your clerk. Oh. And he was often uncredited, which I was oh. like, huh, interesting. So some of his uncredited title. I mean, and you go on his Wikipedia, that thing that thing scrolls forever and it's uncredited, uncredited, uncredited. So here are a wow. few. Flesh and the Devil, Uncle Tom's Cabin, Grand Hotel, and 42nd Street. And then finally, we have Bella Lugosi. And I didn't even know. I saw that he was in it and then I forgot about it and I had went back and it was oh that was bad. yeah he had his he has a scene he's a com- commissor Razninin and Belogosi man he is the king of horror he's Count yeah. Dracula he was yeah. in the murders of the Rue Morgue son of Frankenstein white zombie I think he was in plan nine from outer space if didn't Martin Landau play him in the movie Ed Wood Possibly, I think I'm so. gonna go with yes. Cause he got he was hooked on the the morphine and stuff. 
So, yeah, there you go. Bella Lugosi. Well done. Well, this is a black and white film. It takes place in Paris in those wonderful. Well, this is a uh, what's that called when they put a thing like a you title have to card. Read. Yeah. So you have to read. This picture takes place in Paris in those wonderful days when a siren was a brunette and not an alarm, dot, dot, dot. And a Frenchman turned out the light. It was not on account of an air raid. So we're in a hotel lobby. A man enters. Oh, um, wait. We start out with a nice little tracking shot, BT dubs. Nice little tracking shot following my man, the hotel clerk, as he comes around the corner. I looked, I said, 1939, Ernest Lubitsch, look at you. Uh-huh. Setting the, set the ambiance. Because it's a beautiful hotel lobby, and there's a rotating door, and a man enters and then leaves. And then there's a Russian-looking dude, and he goes in and out the rotating door. And they're going, there's nothing like this in Russia. And there are three Russians, two want this hotel, and one says, uh, we get we got to go back and get a cheaper hotel. But um, they talk him into it because it's their only chance to stay in a nice place. So they go into the hotel. Somehow they get the royal suite. Well, because they ask for, and the hotel manager gives them shade because they say, how much for a room? And the hotel manager says, you guys can't afford it. Right. If you have to ask. Yeah. And so he, the guy says, no, we are from Russia, like the country. I don't know if you know this, but like we took over all of all the money that the royals have is now us, ours. We have it. Don't let these clothes fool you. We are all comrades. The higher ups have it and um, our people are starving. But um, but they they, are part of the higher ups because they're working for the government. So they need a safe because for this suitcase they have right and the only safe big enough is and the hotel manager straight up says he's like we have one but you're not gonna like the room that we have it in and they're like what come on we'll be we'll decide that and he says well it's the royal suite and they're like well guess it's the royal suite for us so that's how they get it okay so then they're in this room and they can't believe this royal suite. And one of them is talking to a jeweler saying, we have 14 pieces. They're the jewels of Swana. And there is a, um, not a, um, there is a, uh, um, not a waiter, the guy who brings your bags up, bellhop, who's helping them with their bags. And he's overhearing all of this. And then we cut to Leon, Melvin Douglas, mm-hmm. and he's he and Swana are having banter. Yes. He shows oh. up in a, he's driven up in a Rolls Royce and he gets out and he goes up. And so you automatically know, well, this dude's rich or he's pretending to be rich but he's doing a good enough job that he get can got dropped off to this woman's flat in a rolls royce and she is just um like she's just all gussied up and you know that she's just rich too yes she happens to be the grand duchess swana of russia and he's telling her that they could both be rich if she would just write her memoir 
So you you realize that this is probably after the revolution and she's lucky she wasn't in that basement. Yeah, she was able to get out and she's been exiled and she can't go back to Russia. But I also got the feeling that maybe she had been out of Russia for a long time. Well, just by her lack of any kind of a Russian mm-hmm. accent. That it was, she was one of, the, like, her family was royalty and generations ago they say gonna go to the united states no paris we're, ah we're gonna go to paris because yeah, paris yeah okay so uh a man comes and tell her tells her her jewels are now in paris well so what was it in that suitcase were her jewels right from her family so the the person that we just think is a bellhop he is really also royalty but you know he's got to put he's got to eat he has to put a roof over his head, um, and you know royalty falls uh, falls on hard times. We're probably part royalty, ma. Same thing happened to us. Yeah, you we know? we were. Uh, you know, it was just that intermixing with the with the lower class that got me my poots frown legs. Yeah, you know, they, and then the thing like, you know, that part of the family that we're from got kicked out, but the other part of the family that was royalty, they had their stuff stripped. Because that's yeah. what happens with wars and whatnot. So yeah. this guy's yeah. over here and he's in Paris and he has to be a bellboy waiter in a nice hotel. He just happens to overhear that the Russians who overthrew his family, you know, line and stuff, his team, if you will, they're trying to sell his I, I don't know if they're related. I guess they are. I don't know. Like houses and all that crap. But yeah. He's royalty. He knows that the Swans is royalty, and he knows that these people, the Bolsheviks, have their jewels. Right. And okay. And so she says, "Call the police and get him back." And they're saying, "You know, uh, it, there's only a chance that she'll get those back because the French government was siding with the revolution people, the Bolsheviks who overthrew. And so they're saying those jewels now belong to the people of Russia. Well, and you know, the French went through a revolution too. Yeah. Well, everybody went, everybody went through a revolution. So that's why that, you know, they say, well, you can call the police, but the police are going to side with, you know, what makes you think you have a right to these things? Right. Well, the jeweler is uh, Monsieur Messier, and Leon arrives acting for the Grand Duchess, and he's saying that there's something that's prohibiting the selling of the remaining jewels. So Leon is then talking with the three Bolsheviks. They go to lunch. They bring up cigarette girls. They bring up champagne. They have a huge party. They get the three Bolsheviks drunk. Leon suggests a 50-50 split, which sounds reasonable to Mm me. Well, the waiter comes back with more champagne because he wants these guys drunk. And then they get a telegram from Russia saying a special envoy is coming to negotiate because these three Bolsheviks have bought into... They they like what they see in. Well, they got corrupted. Yeah, they you did. know, they liked going to the hotel and turning on the hot water and hot water comes out. They liked that. They, they liked being able to call down. I mean, also, they're 
And this is also the funny thing, too. To, maybe it's part of the loop, loop bitch touch. But these guys are in a fancy hotel. And it's great. Because being in a fancy hotel, it is great. <laughs> yeah. But that isn't all. times we've done that. <laughs> but, the, yeah, as soon as, because they love it. They say, oh, you want food? You just pick up the phone and food arrives. And they're not worried about the the paying for it because Russia's paying for it. So it, there's that disconnect there. Right. And Russia, meanwhile, is getting the bill. Going like, what are these fools doing? We, we're sending our no-nonsense negotiator, Greta Garbo. Yes. Also known as Ninochka. Ninochka. Man, what a great... Because... I'm watching this movie. I'm like, where's Garbo? Where's Garbo? Where's Garbo? And then the special envoys come in. I'm like, I bet that's Garbo. And she gets off at the train stop and the camera just hits on her face. And she has the most awesome deadpan face ever of no nonsenseness. I busted out laughing. Nerd alert. When she was being the no nonsense envoy, they said she wore no makeup. <laughs> I mean, she didn't have any mascara on. I noticed that. But my gosh, she had flawless skin. She, that was no makeup? That They said it was no makeup. But she had to have, like, lipstick on. Later in the movie, she put some lipstick on. And it's I don't know. It I'm was ta- hilarious. Just okay. But just her face, too, because there was no smile. Oh, my God. Nothing. No, and she has very sensible shoes on. Extremely and they come up sensible. And they're going, you are, you, you're the special envoy? And she says, don't make an issue of my womanhood. <laughs> I was all in. I said, this is why Greta Garbo is a thing. Even though at this point she had already been a huge thing. Yeah, well, they have reserved the royal suite for her and taken a lesser suite and the royal suite is 2000 francs a day and she com- she compares that to oh i got the I quote ma i got it because it's you got the, the quote it's it's the quote that's going on the movie thing she goes um oh she does this whole spiel about how much a cow costs and how much right. the room costs and so she lets she goes who am i to cost the russian people seven cows Yes. She can't she says how many people stay in this suite? How many people share? Like she's just super she is that comrade. She is no nonsense. The one liner she has quipped to these three jabronis as they're walking is hilarious. The line she is saying how she's <laughs> she's just just putting down the west just left and right she's insulting them but she's just so deadpan they can't even know it and i'm i am thoroughly enjoying this she she takes out a picture of lennon and puts him on her <laughs> bedstand and she's saying uh that how much foreign currency it would take to buy tractors to feed our people. So she will not be corrupted. No. She is a comrade to the end. She is about it, about it. Well, Greta and Leon meet, and there's a bunch of banter. But they don't know who each other are. At that time. And 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 that scene, you're like, okay, they just happen to meet. 
but I'll be doggone it if these two don't suck you right in and it is I I got swept up in the romantic comediness of it and I yeah. have I have long been out on the romantic comedy genre and here these two come in you got Ninochka leaning far into her she cannot be corrupted and she is just putting this guy down this aristocrat this like I forget what she has names for him and everything that she deadpans and he loves it yeah because there is a charm about it and it's it's hilarious yeah okay so she wants to see the Eiffel Tower not because she wants to see the sites but because she wants to see how it was constructed and how what, what base there is that can that can hold all this metal and um and he's he shows up at the Eiffel Tower and she says to him, must you flirt? <clears throat> he's like, yeah, I, I kind of have to. So he follows her around and tells her all the info about the Eiffel Tower. Um, he says, you can go to the top, but it's a gazillion steps. And she goes, I will take the steps. He's, <laughs> he rides the elevator. She's already up there when he gets there. Because she's a machine. She at this point, she reminds me of Vicky from Small Wonder. <laughs> But, like, if Vicky had way more, per- like, you know, if Vicky was played by Greta Garbo. And I t- tried to write down some of her quotes. Uh, something about unfortunate something of doomed civil. Oh, this is this is an example of unfortunate extravagance of an, a doomed civilization. Um, and he's going, this is the most unique spot of all Paris. And he uh, shows her his house. And she goes, oh, you might be an interesting subject of study. So they go to his apartment because she just wants to see how these people are living. Mm-hmm. And um, and she says to him, what do you do for mankind? And he's like, <laughs> well, I have a, a pretty good life. And she goes, your general appearance is not distasteful. <laughs> And then she goes, can it be I'm falling in love with you? (laughs) And we couldn't tell. I was like, when did that happen? (laughs) And she says, chemically, we're already sympathetic. And um, something about a tiny cog in a great wheel of evolution. Um, And it's midnight on his clock. And he goes, see how the how both hands are together. One hand is kissing the other hand. And she goes, that's false sentimentality. <laughs> and so he talks, you know, mushy talk. And she's going, you're very talkative. <laughs> and he kisses her. And um, he says, how did that feel? And she said, restful. Again. <laughs> restful. So- <laughs> kiss that he's but he got the girl he met the girl he got the girl to go back to his apartment he he moves in for the kiss he says how you know how was that and she replies restful (laughs) yeah she's not acting mushy at all so then um she kisses him and then the telephone rings and the whole deal with the jewels is off there's no 50 50 and they, um, he's on the phone and they're saying a special envoy has arrived and he realizes it's her. No, he doesn't. She realizes it's her. She's the one that puts it together because she hears his side of the conversation. 
She's oh. sitting on the couch. She gets up. She crosses over to him and she crosses behind him. He has a notepad and he's it's as they're telling him who the name of the special envoy. They say the name and then he has to write it down. And he already knows her as Ninochka. And so when he starts writing down her real first name, she t- he's like, why? And she takes the pen out of his hand and writes oh, the rest of right. her name. And he looks and he's like, oh, thank you. And then he does a beat and he realizes, wait, a- oh, crap. Yeah. You know it because it's you. So she says, I must go. Let's pretend we never met. And she tells him, you represent white Russia. I represent red Russia. And he goes, but you kissed me. And she said, yeah, I kissed a Polish Lancer too before he died. Because <laughs> she has a wound. Like she was a sergeant. Told you. She was about that life. Three days later, she is studying the law to find out how to get the jewels back. And she goes out to eat. Now, she, you know, they're saying, we have a lovely restaurant right here at the hotel. She, I want to eat where the working man eats. <laughs> so they tell her where to go. Leon follows her. And, um, you know, she's she doesn't think about food. And um, the waiter had come over and he was, it was an Italian place. And he was like really proud of his food. And um, Leon is sitting at a table away from her. And, and she goes, I don't think about food. Just bring me food. What the, what the working people eat. And so Leon says, you know, you hurt his feelings um, because he's really proud of his food. And so. Yeah, he says his food is his work, you know. Right, right. Um, and so they're talking. Somebody says to the other person, what are you after? And they're saying uh, th- we're after the there's a lawsuit about the jewels. And he tells her to smile. And she says, why? What would I smile? And what, what would I smile at? And then they say we're an odd couple. And he goes, I'm not going to leave until I make you laugh. So he starts telling her really stupid jokes. And she's not laughing. And he says, the tr- there's... The- the trouble is you. It's not my jokes. It's the trouble is you. And then his chair tips over and he falls on the floor and all the people there start laughing and she laughs hysterically. Yeah, she loses it. And then he gets up and they laugh together. Mm-hmm. So they Garbo laughs. And that was, yeah. Okay. So um, there's a lawyer meeting and in the lawyer meeting, they're talking about all this legal stuff and she starts to laugh. And... There's, there's going to be an injunction in two weeks to decide if she gets the jewels or if the jewels go to the countess, the duchess. Um, so that means she has to stay in Paris another two weeks. Well, it appears she's turned over a new leaf and she's starting to appreciate Paris. Yeah. At this point, I say she's going to buy that stupid hat. Did we even mention the stupid hat? Because that was... <laughs> so when she first arrives with the three jabronis, um, she walks by and she sees... Uh, uh, I didn't even know what it was at first. And they and she didn't either. She says, what is that? It's in a store window. And they say, well, it's a hat. 
and she cannot believe that that is a hat. And she, I think she, I think that's where she says the line about, come comrades, it won't be long now. Because she's yes. like, these people, <laughs> we will defeat them. Yeah. Well, so um, she goes to a drawer in her royal suite and pulls out that hat. I knew she was going to buy that hat. And it's, it's like, it's like it. It's like a Robin Hood hat. It's a cross between a Robin Hood hat and one of those cookie wafer things that people dip in their coffee. Because it, it's fitted on your head and then it goes up and does a... a it's like a, a Dr. Seuss hat. It's Yeah, it does a weird thing on top. Uh, nerd alert, she designed that hat. Mm-hmm. It was based on her sketch that she sketched. Yeah. Garbo! Well, they're at Lennon's, Le- they're at Leon's house, mm. not Lennon's. Big difference. And since I met the girl, uh, oh, somebody comes in and tells him, since you met that girl, there's, I've noticed a change in you. Um, the influence of that bullshit. Oh, woman. it's the butler. Oh. Because remember when, when he took her back to his place, she, she was like, oh, you must be the butler. And she goes and she introduces herself and she calls him little father. And she says, don't worry. One day you will be free (laughs) because she's all about the working people. So she, you know, she's all like, you you know, we are, I am working to set you free, my comrade. And he's like, I'm really happy with the job I have. Really. I, I, I don't have to work, you know, I don't have to be paving streets in the hot heat. I'm happy here, but um, and the butler noticed that he is reading Karl Marx. Yeah. It's like, the butler is basically doing an intervention. It's like, yo, my dude, ever since you brought that communist woman in here, look at you. You changed. You're reading Karl Marx now? What? And then she comes to the door, and she is wearing a new dress and that stupid hat. But is that where? She- okay, go ahead. And she's feeling, she says, don't I look foolish? <laughs> um, and I'm going, yeah, and that stupid hat. But he's going, oh, no, 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 no. Um, you look great. And she said, oh, by the way, I took a taxi today. <laughs> yeah, a taxi. It, a whole car to just take me here. I, I went to a man and I gave him the address, got in the car, and I'm here. And I'm like, girl, you love you some Uber. <laughs> And then he says, you want to listen to music? And she says, yes. Well, do you want to listen to the radio or the phonograph? And she goes, I want music just for ourselves. Oh, that is not socialism. No, no it is not. Not communism. That's not communism. And then they kiss. And she said, I wake up in the middle of the night and laugh at your stupid jokes. And she says, they aren't funny. They're silly. Um so and then she said, instead of sending a report to Moscow, I'd buy this ridiculous hat. And she's she's in Leon's arms, and she's saying, Leon, I, I, I just can't say it, but you know, she's telling him she loves him, and they kiss and they hug, and she smiles, and then she puts on lipstick. Who is she? What? You and drop the girl says, in France, and look what happens. She says, 
uh, did you make any changes in this room since I was here? And he said, I don't think so. And she said, well, I remember there was a woman in a silver frame. And at the time, I only thought, <laughs> oh, I could melt all that silver down and use it. <laughs> but what happened to that woman? And so he opens a drawer and takes out the picture, and it's the Duchess. And um, she says, what happened to that woman? And she's a woman of the world. And he goes, Ninochka, I love you. Are you jealous of the Grand Duchess? And she goes, don't ask for a photo of me, because I couldn't stand being shut up in that drawer. Oh, snap. Well, people. That was an hour. Yeah, this movie was really long. This was an hour. This was an hour. We still had about 40 something minutes to 50 something minutes to go. Yeah, because I, I had to do, I had to go to the bathroom and I remember hitting the pause button and, and doing the, an hour left? Still? I know. And it's, it's good. It's not like you're bored, but yeah. sometimes when we're watching this, like it was last night after happy hour and I'm going, oh my God, I just want to go to bed. But but it, but it really, because I'm like, what, what else is going to happen? But it does really move. So it I don't need to say like, to be like, oh, no, it's too long. No, not at all. So I believe our POC count is Zipola. Oh, zero. Yeah. We've done some nerd alerts. Do you have more? Um, I think I do have more. Uh, well, my nerd alerts, when I started nerd alerting them, and then I realized that they are probably my reheatables. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, so my reheatables, <laughs> I had a little bit of trouble because I had a good reheatable being that um, the jewels belong to the people. You know, I like that, you know, that the aristocracy didn't have all the wealth but then i was like am i buying into communism here because that sounds like what i'm doing but it didn't work out because the upper echelon of communism kept all the money and the people were even worse than they were under the czar so well yeah but it's the and then it's the same because they show that with capitalism you right. know because it's right. all of the they like to pit each other against each other, but in the end, neither one of them is like each needs itself. I mean, each needs the other one because yeah. pure capitalism, unregulated and stuff, you're just going to end up with essentially what, like an oligarchs or something? Is that what they're called? Like, you know, the top 1% has all of the money. And sort the 99 like where we are right now. Right. And then on the other side, when you have the communism, how it was like, oh, we're going to share and the people are going to be even and stuff. And it's the same thing because guess what? People like nice things yeah. and they want to have nice things and they don't really care if you don't have nice things. But if they can make it seem like, oh, no, we're, we're all sharing in the pie. But. Like it's they're actually the same thing because the the ninety nine percent are all sharing in the same the same pie, but then the one percent is sharing their huge pie and it's way bigger than the ninety nine percent. And the one percent wants 
wants it to be because they want to wear the clothes that the 99% want to wear. Mm-hmm. If the 99% had the same clothes, it wouldn't, they, it wouldn't be feeding their egos. It's right. all about ego. And so, and they need to, they need to perpetuate it and keep their position going. So then they say anybody that opposes them is bad and evil. And so that's why you have people here being like, no, we don't want to socialism. No, get that the hell out of here. Get that. And it's like, that's not really what they're saying. And then over there, it's like, no, Coca-Cola and McDonald's, get that out of here and stuff. But but really bring it in because I want I want yeah, to make Yeah, but, but bring it in so that only I can have it. Well, I felt like a negative was, I, 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 but I've, I've, I've come differently. I said at first her dress, her evening gown was too extravagant. But then I realized, no, she had fallen under the spell of capitalism. So that dress wasn't too extravagant for her. Oh, her when she went to the club yeah. and it was like that off the shoulder thing. Yeah, and I want to know how it stayed out. Did they yeah. have two-sided tape then? I'm Cause... sure they did. I wasn't I wasn't that enamored by I do remember it thinking when she, like, oh, that's what they chose to put her in? Well, maybe that was why. Because it wasn't like the Duchess had on a slinky number that could be worn today, truth be told. Yeah. But, um, yeah. And then the Duchess's lack, total lack of any kind of a Russian accent. Well, I, I think that I explained that. Yes, you did. You I think did. that I, I explained that well. Where was it that they went? And was it the, the three Russians that went back and it was her room in Russia? Yes. So, at the, I mean, you guys know how this goes. We gave you We gave you the run up an hour in. If you wanted to go watch it, then you watch it. If not, we're probably going to end up spoiling it. So... Things go down. She goes back to Russia and she's living that comrade lifestyle, that bad about it life. And she buys right back into it. Mm-hmm. She's not sad. She is like, hey, uh, you know, I, I am a comrade. There are three people sharing my little tiny apartment and it's okay. And in their apartment, did you know, because a guy walks in. They must have the only restroom on the floor. Yeah. And so, and also if you look above there, so at night when they sleep, they can pull the curtains across. So then Mm -hmm. it makes a hallway from the doorway to the bathroom. So they have some privacy. Yeah. But the, but the one guy goes, oh yes, this is a nice establishment. We change the towels once a week. (laughs) Yeah. And she's inviting, she says that she's going to have friends that come over and they're she's gonna make um them dinner and they're like what are you gonna make it she says i'm gonna make an omelet and the girl's like whoa where are you getting all these rations from and she said i saved two eggs and they're each gonna bring an egg right you're like wow but she's like yeah we're gonna share this omelet and she was right back it wasn't Mm -hmm. like oh my god i had croissants in paris and i miss a croissant Yes. So you're negative reheatable? Oh. You're political I was, and you're so good at that. I was trying to think of mine. I guess it was when uh, Melvin told her to smile. Just because that's never a good reheatable when a man mm-hmm. tells a woman to smile. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then when 
I I wrote this down, but we kind of already talked about it. So the butler, when he was telling the guy, you've changed, the butler says that he, and then it comes out, and maybe I heard this wrong, but I thought that the guy was apologizing. So Leon, who's Melvin, was apologizing to the butler because the butler was, I think, accusing him of becoming a communist and... Leon apologizes that he hadn't paid him. He hadn't paid the butler in a while. So I, I think like Leon and the and the what's her face, they're kind of running out of money. And that uh, was why they needed the that's why they needed the jewels. And that remember, because he went over and he said, like, you need to write your memoir. Right, right. That's right. So he doesn't work. Um, and you can kind of tell that maybe he's fallen on her. I don't know, because I maybe I was wrong about this. But he apologizes to the butler that he hadn't hasn't paid him in a couple of weeks. And I was like, wait, you haven't even paid the butler. And then the butler is like, look, buddy, don't apologize for um, I don't. He basically doesn't care that he hasn't been paid in a couple of weeks. But he just want he just doesn't want Leon being able to share half his paycheck, which was weird. So because the butler was obviously against communism and he didn't like that Leon was reading Karl Marx and all mm-hmm. of that stuff. And so the butler's argument to it, it was funny cause Leon's like, I'm sorry, I haven't paid you. And the butler said he didn't care that he hadn't been paid. He was just, he just didn't want, he never wanted it to be that Leon had access to his paycheck. So oh. that's why he was against communism. But it I was felt like, I feel like Leon was a, a bit of a, gigolo with mm-hmm. the duchess he was leon that was leon was like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna try to get in and be with her marry her that's why he wanted that's why he got involved in the whole necklace and stuff because mm-hmm. those were her jewels and if he stays with her those are gonna be his jewels he was okay. like what's his face in that movie Oh, you know what's his face in that movie? Yeah, you remember, and and we we really liked it. A new leaf, Walter Matthau's character. Oh, oh, yeah, okay. And and how he was running out of money, and the guy says, yes. "Well, you need to do what every man has done yes. <laughs> is like you need find to find a rich woman." Exactly. Yeah. So he's yeah. trying to find a rich woman, except he ends up like falling in love. Okay. Well. Do you have any negative reheatables? Well, those were my, my okay, but then it would I, turn into a positive because the butler it doesn't the butler's argument doesn't really make sense, and yet it kind of does, and that's what communism and capitalism are. They right. both kind of make sense, and they both kind of don't. Right. Well, anytime somebody takes advantage, then yeah, like the okay. guy's not mad that you haven't paid him. Yeah. He's like, that's not what makes me mad. What makes me mad is when you eventually decide to pay me, that I have to split my paycheck with you. Mm. But he's the guy that's paying you. So then it's like this whole chicken or the egg argument. Yeah. Okay. Well, my positive reheatable was the envoy they sent to fix these three dudes was a woman. Yes. And this woman put her mission before before her her love life and she accomplished the mission mm-hmm. 
because she had an opportunity to not take the jewels back. Well, I mean, she kind of failed her mission, though. Because remember, she goes to the club and they come home. She tastes champagne and well, she's yeah. like, okay, this is yeah. very, it's like you can't get drunk from this. And she ends up getting blitzed. She ends up because getting thrown out of the club. It. She did golf it. I loved it. I was like, get it, girl. And then she gets thrown out of the club because she's in the bathroom talking, try, evangelicalizing communism and stuff. <laughs> she gets tossed out. She goes back to her place. Um, She ends up because she's completely hammered ends up telling what's his face the safe combination because she wants to listen to the radio and it's the safe opens the safe up there's there are the jewels he puts the tiara on her and she's like no this is wrong but he puts it on her crown on her head and you know she falls asleep and yeah well the jewels get stolen but she gets the jewels back and takes them back to mother russia well because the duchess comes in right but i'm saying she put her mission ahead of her she yeah that's true because the ultimatum that the duchess lays down is says i'll give you back the jewels if you promise to leave russia so that i can have leon back if you leave Paris yeah. so I can have Liam. Yes. Yeah. And so she's like, yep, yeah, that sounds good to me. I'm out. So the ultimate big takeaway was getting the jewels back to the Bolsheviks. Right. Hope Putin's enjoying that now. <laughs> he loves them. He wears them on his shirtless body at night. So, uh, oh God. Oh, I just <laughs> threw up in my mouth. Okay. Um, MV, oh, do you have a positive? Oh, I got, yeah, I got my positive reheatable. So I got some nerd, nerd alert camera moves. Oh, um, <gasps> thank you. Like the opening tracking shot where it's, it's, it's not very long, but like for 1935, I had to rewind it. Cause I said, like, did, did they just come in with a tracking shot? Just boom, right off the bat. We're, we're, See, I don't even we're think moving this camera around. And then the, I love the opening. Cause it, it's got the one guy comes in. Can I help you, sir? No, no, no. Second guy comes in. And the third. And what do we have? Comedy. Your rule of threes. Um, then just the like shot. The yeah, then the shot of the scene that we just talked about when Ninochka falls asleep with the tiara on her head. And um, what's his face? Leon, how the care like the way that the camera moves, it's just this subtle movement, but the the way like Go back and watch it because the way it creates this weird effect of of like whoa of sentimentality and suspense and the the guy's performance is really good in it and just how the camera moves with him and it changes the per, just like the door and stuff and the music and he walks out I I don't know I rewound that watched it a couple of times because I just thought that it was thoroughly modern. Like a hmm. modern looking shot and, and stuff. I like wow. it. And then there's a shot where at one point she looks over to Lenin and she tells Lenin to smile. And it, they do like uh, 1939 special effects and the yeah. Lenin smiles. I wonder how they made that happen. Well, they just they just probably did the what's his face created that we watched last week. Matt photography. 
Yeah, it was cool because she did enjoy her champagne. I'm just saying that was probably some really good champagne. Mm -hmm. And at first was she, was talking, in a she was talking trash about it. She was like, oh, man, this is it's very. Oh, that's a good reheatable, too, is her reaction to drinking the champagne. Because the first time it touches her, the taste, but she makes an awful face like she's yes. going to hate it. And then she just goes through this face and blah, blah, blah. And then she goes, I like it. Yeah. At first, because it's so weird that the bubbles are hitting you and it's kind of tickling. And it's like, what it is? This isn't everything. It's but Wait a minute. Okay, wait. Oh, I get it. And she asks uh, Leon, do people get drunk off of this? And he says, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You just did. Yep. Okay, well, uh, MVP, I liked the uh, one of the three Russians when they were back in Russia. His, his quote, they can't censor our memories. Mm. So, he definitely enjoyed capitalism. Yes, they all did. My, your, I, uh, huh? Your MVP? Honorable mention goes to Melvin. Because he was thoroughly entertaining and enjoyful. And I liked him. Because sometimes I don't when the guys are supposed to be. And it happens with the ladies too. You know when they're supposed to be all that and charming and stuff. Right. I'm like you're not that charming. He was completely charming. And he wasn't creepy. No. And I wondered. I said why, why have I not heard more about this guy? Why wasn't this guy a bigger deal? But, oh, I did have a nerd alert. I, that reminded me. So his second wife was Helen Gagan, or Gagan. And she was a three-term congresswoman from California. And he, oh. was, he and his wife were extremely against Nazis and against fascism. And they kind of got labeled... They were and they were super liberal and they got labeled at they weren't blacklisted, but he got gray listed oh. where he wasn't officially blacklisted, but nobody was kind of hiring him. Oh. So I wonder if that kind of also played a role in a bet because he was just so trying. Just he had that like top that Tom Hanks appeal. Yeah. Where it's just, yeah, where's this guy going? I'm going to follow him. He's very, very charming. And his wife was the opponent for Nixon's, uh, the Senate seat in California in 1950. Oh, wow. And she's the one that popularized the term tricky dick. Oh, my God. That's the MVP right there. Oh, my God. Right? I, I was like, that's crazy. Because... Uh, this man, wow. he was so, so charming, so charming. And so that gives me to my true MVP of this. I mean, it is Great. Greta Garbo. I, it's so, so she went on, she did, before this movie, I think this movie was in 1938, 1937, 1938, a magazine article came out listing a bunch of famous women as box office poison. Um, Marlena Dietrich, Mae West, Catherine Hepburn, Greta Garbo, 
are the ones that I name off the top of my head. There was, I think, about 10 women. And this guy wrote this article saying that they were box office poison. So her career was kind of down, and they decided that they're going to bounce back by giving her a comedy to do. And so she does this comedy, and then she does another movie for George Cukor, who we know about, because we did one of his movies recently, mm-hmm. and um, it didn't do well. It didn't do well critically, but it actually did pretty well at the box office, The Two-Faced Woman. And then after that, she just kind of stopped doing movies. And it wasn't like she retired. She just didn't get many offers or she turned down offers. Or when she signed, she signed up to do stuff and then um, it would fall through and stuff. And so it just that's how it went through the years. And she had invested very well with her money. So she didn't need to work. And she went to buy an apartment in New York City And so she lived there and she never, even when she was a huge star, like Julia level, Julia Roberts level and beyond fame, she never liked to do publicity. She rarely granted interviews. She didn't go out to any of the Hollywood haunts. She had friends, but she always liked to either be alone or just with the group of friends. She didn't want anything to do with the Hollywood machine and the publicity and and all of that stuff. And at first the Hollywood, her studio was so irritated by it, but she was making hit after hit. And she was so, um, mysterious that the the Hollywood, the studio said this adds to her mystique. Mm -hmm. So then they went with it and it's just one of those great, what would have been because this movie is a departure from, from what had come before in comedy and i think she's comic gold i want i wanted her to have done like what could have been her teaming up with Luptich or billy wilder for more roles she turned down the role to be in sunset boulevard i'm kind of glad she did i i mean yeah but i just i just wanted to see more of her comedy i right i couldn't believe how funny she was she how without funny i thought she was even, because it was like yeah without because she was being this this uptight straight laced yeah russian but she was do, like in character of how funny because it wasn't all sticky she was acting but she was acting in comedy right and just what could have been i just i mean i do want to go back and see other roles but this was such a i i don't know i don't know what i thought garbo it was interesting because i'm like i don't know anything i've never seen garbo what's this gonna be am i gonna be oh so that's garbo and it's weird that the first movie i see of hers is her comedy yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> so, I had no idea what to expect with this I'm, movie. I'm just, I couldn't believe how funny I thought she was. And funny, and maybe not everybody's going to think it's as funny as me, but I think that that sort of deadpan, very harsh woman is funny. <laughs> <laughs> huh, has nothing to do with your mother growing up. No, and I kind of see some of myself in her. Of, I do like, like too. <laughs> Uh, of just her no nonsense, you know, but I'm not like, it's just like, I see aspects of myself turned up to 11. And like, I think that's really funny. 
Like I mean, nobody she, got time for that. Yeah, she has a she has a really good point here, guys. <laughs> She's it's it's kind of like we're putting Tracy Lords from a Philadelphia story, and now we're sprinkling in Greta Gar- Garbo mm-hmm. from the Nutchka. I'm like, yeah, I I really relate to these two. <laughs> it's a good two to relate to. Yeah. Well, I have three casts. And you have one. Mm-hmm. So why don't we go with your one? Okay. So I forgot, but off the top of my head, the, the Duchess woman, Swana. Mm-hmm. When, I, I didn't write it down, but I remember when I'm watching it, I'm like, yo, Olivia Coleman just dropping in. Oh, Olivia. You're yeah. going to have her in every cast. Yeah, she'd <laughs> she, be great. She's going to get the, the Regina. It's going to be Regine, the Regina, Regina yeah. Hall, Regina King, and Olivia Coleman in everything. <laughs> okay. Um, and so then, okay, for the three guys, I didn't separate them out. I just came up oh, with I names didn't do them for the all. three guys. Okay. Louise Guzman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tim Blake Nelson. I don't know who Tim Blake Nelson is. Yeah, you remember from um, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Oh, I know him, yes. Yeah. And John Turturro. Oh, of course. I thought those three would be hilarious of together. Of course, yes. And then for my, the Leon guy, I would, I really wanted to go, but last week I went with Tom Hanks. And yeah. I really was seeing like young Tom Hanks. So you could do that. I wouldn't be mad at it because when I was watching it, he just really reminded me of him but i would say better looking yeah like i think that this guy was is better looking than tom hanks but just that genuine affable i i like this guy for some reason he like you know i would i could completely disagree with everything that he says or thinks his ideology but i could have a conversation with him and it would be charming right um but i went with george clooney yeah, because he, could also, pull, he could totally pull it because off. Because yeah. George Clooney can be very, very charming as well. Right. Oh, and man. funny, yeah. So then this was tough because it's, <laughs> well, you got to cast Greta Garbo. So, oh, man, wow. I just got a, a new name that popped into my head. Go with it. All right. So I, you can go this way and then I'll go the other way. With the one that I wrote down. The one that just okay. popped into my head. Also named Greta. Greta Gerwig. Tell me more about Greta Gerwig. I know her, but I don't. I know. I she was in these independent movies like Frances Ha and something else. But then she also directed Lady Bird. Okay. That's why I know her. And That's she, why I know that name. She could, I think she could kind of do the deadpan kind mm-hmm. of comedy thing really good. But that's what just popped into my head now. So that's interesting. The name that I went with, because also, you know, you're saddling somebody with being like, oh, right. Right. You know. Yeah. So we who know. is somebody, so that it would be, unex- that they could be funny, but it would be unexpected that they were funny because they're not known for their comedy. Okay. Natalie Portman. Oh, get out of my head. Get out of my head. Did you go with Natalie Portman too? I went with Natalie Portman on my regular cast. I did. 
right? Because yeah. she's a great actress, but she can be funny, and she hasn't really gotten a chance to really be super funny. Yeah. But she could do it. She could do that total deadpan thing. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. Well, she was my Ninochka for my cast, and I my Duchess was Meryl. Ah, uh, yes. And my Leon, I went, I went kind of with an, with a curveball. I went with Clive Owen. Yeah, that's that's interesting because you know they were in that movie Closer together. The Mike Nichols film. Yes, yes, yes. I could see and that. I, I have my Hamilton cast. Oh, nice. So my Hamilton cast, the Duchess, because I felt the Duchess was a little older than she was playing because she, you know, came out of Russia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was uh, definitely not right after the revolution. So I went with Vivica A. Fox. Oh, that would be fun. Now, my Leon, this guy, um, he's been in a couple things. He's not been in a lot. Boris Kajo? Boris Kujo? Yeah, he's gorgeous, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, he's really gorgeous. Um, I don't know that he has the acting chops for it. But, <laughs> but he's, he's so good looking that I, I think that you could be like, just don't say anything, Boris. <laughs> I know. I know. Just play. Just read the lines and you're going to be fine. So so his Nanochka was going to be Naomi Harris. Naomi Harris. Okay. Okay. Because I'm trying to get, because I kind of go with the same people all the time. I'm trying to get the, you know, my Hamilton cast a little deeper. You know who might be fun, though? I I could see Naomi Harris, but also Lupita Nyong'o. Oh, my God, yes. I think she could nail it and be hilarious. Speaking of which, uh, I've talked about my my Google search before. Mm Mm-hmm. There is a Google search. So I go um, black actresses under 30, black actresses <laughs> over 40. I do that. But there is a, there is black actresses darker skin. Mm. Wow. Really? Yeah. There really is. Yeah. Because you don't see it. Because there's only, I mean, I, we talked about it when we did, um, when we were doing the Lena Horne film, Stormy yeah. Weather. Oh, my God. Because all the black, Dorothy Dandridge, Lena Horne. Yeah, they were like, all light. I all know, light Paper skin. bag tests and all that. But, yeah, wow. Okay, and then I have my nerdlinger. Now, nerdlinger doesn't mean these actors are nerds, but they can play nerds. Okay? <laughs> so I went with... Cast. Like a nerd cast, making it nerdy instead of so... Okay, so my duchess is Melissa McCarthy. <laughs> okay, nerd my, my Leon is Jonah Hill. <laughs> I mean, yeah, because we're going to make this totally... And, and my Ninochka is Kristen Wiig. So that's like she a total. would be a funny Nanochka. Yes, just like a, a a comedy central Nanochka. Like it's already a comedy, but this is like a comedy on steroids. I would 
replace Jonah Hill with Seth Rogen. Okay. Just to be, because he's got to, Leon has to be charming. And I think that Jonah Hill is great at a lot of things. But charming isn't one of them. That's okay. not really his strength. Okay. Not that he can't be charming. I'm I'm sure he can be. Okay. At this point, um, it is almost six o'clock. Are we gonna stop and do it's... tasty nuggets after? Oh no, we'll just hurt wait, it's at like we have like twenty minutes, right? Oh, okay, then we'll go ahead. We'll just run, burn through the tasty nuggets. Yeah. Go ahead, okay. Ma. Okay, so my Tasty Nuggets, I already told you that the hat design was uh, based on a sketch from Greta Garbo. Mm -hmm. This movie was banned in the Soviet Union and their satellite countries. Yeah, it kind of would be. (laughs) Uh, No makeup when she was being the stern envoy. Um, Lubitsch said that this was his favorite film. This and Shop Around the Corner were his favorite films. Ah. And he came on after Kukor left this film to go do Gone with the Wind. George Kukor just... Yeah, he had a pogo stick. Yeah, jeez. Other people considered to play Leon were Spencer Tracy, Mm. William Powell, Mm. and Cary Grant interesting because he you know he has that charisma thing yeah there was a musical remake of this in 1957 called silk stockings by cole porter oh you knew that mm-hmm. and you already brought this up that um Ninochka, greta garbo and the person who played the duchess both had love affairs with john gilbert so the scene where they are together uh, there was a lot of tension, tension there from their past life. Because she was, Garbo was with Gilbert before. Because so they, they were in a yeah. bunch of movies. Like I think Flesh and the Devil is their most well-known. But they were in a bunch of movies together. Okay. Um. So Garbo was nervous about doing a comedy. And she was especially nervous about the drunk scene. But I think she, she did it, it really well. Both of them did it well by not overdoing the drunkenness, I thought. And Garbo had a whole bunch of eccentricities. Um, she would have it so that there would be screen set up so that other people couldn't look at her because she said that if she got self-conscious, her face wouldn't just do what it was supposed to. And that's how she became a huge star because... In the silent films, there was a whole bunch of big acting had to from this coming from the people coming from the stage and how you had to project to the the seat in the back row. And Garbo would it was they said it was like underacting, but you could kind of just see it. The expressions go across her face and in her eyes and stuff. And this she brought this subtlety that had not been used before. Yeah, right. Um, yeah, she definitely did. This was released right after World War II broke out in Europe. Because there was a reference to Hitler in it. Mm-hmm. Because they thought that when they were at the train station looking for their comrade, they see this old guy and they're looking and they're like, is that him? Is that him? And the guy walks up to his wife and does a Heil Hitler. Yeah. And they're like, no, it's not. Should we kill him? Yeah. Yes, please. 
Um, in addition to Silk Stockings, the 1940 movie that I had mentioned, because other people have been involved in this, Comrade X with Clark Gable and the super smart Hedy Lamar. And Hedy the Lamar. 1956 Iron Petticoat starring Bob Hope in Catherine Hepburn heavily borrowed from this film. Oh. It was nominated for four Academy Awards, Best Picture, Best Actress, Best Original Story, and Best Screenplay. So Best Original Story, the Oscar went to Louis R. Foster for Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. And Best Actress, Garbo lost to Vivian Lee for Gone with the Wind. Yeah, I'm sorry, Which also Greta. won Best Screenplay and also won Best Picture. Hmm. So... So there we have it. Well, okay. So we're not sure, listeners, whether we're doing this together next week or if it's going to be the following week. But I, I realized yesterday I have to pick a film, and this has been on my back burner for a while, and I think it's time we do it. I think it's time to just rip the Band-Aid off. We're going with the godfather oh i was like please don't say birth of a nation please don't say birth of a no nation. I, I don't think i'm ever gonna rip that band-aid off i don't need to do that well i have to say i'm gonna if i had to take a guess because isn't the godfather three hours plus um I, I don't know i just know that Numero it's pretty uno? epic i mean it's a pretty epic film i don't know if we're gonna get to it but okay. maybe uh, we won't get to it next now because uh, 1972 film. Um, 177 minutes. Wow, that's two hours and 12 minutes. No, holy crap. It's good because I've been wanting to say I wanted to do this as well. So it is a three hour movie. Yes. Well, we're going to do it, but we're not going to do it until the following week because, you know, I'm not working on my vacation. <laughs> yeah, you know how long it's going to take me to do the particulars for that? Wow. The particulars are going to take you an hour just to get through <laughs> on our next podcast. But in the meantime, people, you can do what's the over-under for the length of this podcast that we're going to do for the Godfather <laughs> podcast. That would be great. And the winner gets a, a plain white tea. <laughs> Child's large. <laughs> I, I comrade, comrade, if I need to buy a <laughs> plain white tea, I might as well buy the size that fits me and give out the one. That makes more sense. I am the Nochka. That's what happened when, when it, Wendy got hers. <laughs> you got the other one in the pack. <laughs> nice okay well i'm gonna still go with it because we haven't done it we've talked about it forever and so we're gonna we're gonna modern it up a little to 1972 but we do love our 30s and 40s and 20s movies i really say go and watch this nonochka it it's just a, a fun movie to watch yeah you gotta watch garbo we gotta and we gotta do another garbo film just oh to, we definitely to... will because we'll go back in time yeah because i'm i'm all in on garbo 
I'm like, wow, I just really wish she had done more comedies or something. She was just yeah. so eccentric and just didn't like people. So much like you. <laughs> I can't relate that's at why, all. That's why you're, yeah, you, you have a little girl crush because you're the same person. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I just have more lips. Hey, yeah, and she could have used more. I'm just saying. I know. Uh huh. Okay, well, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and um, hopefully, my horse wins the derby because then I get the quarters. Who's your horse? By my standards, as it should be. Wait, it's by my standards or it's as it should be? By my standards oh. is the name of my horse. And he's a mud horse. I don't know oh, what... I mama. I go based on names that resonate with me. So I looked at the names and I said, cutting humor. And that perfectly fits, cutting humor. And I think by my standards fits me as well. <laughs> oh, to a T. To a tea, plain white tea. It's funny how everybody's horses are like theirs because Teeny picked win, win, win. Because <laughs> that's our Teeny. Oh, Poppy picked strictly. What was it? His was like the. Oh, it's funny because it's the. Um, I was like, yeah, he would. It was strict maximum security. Yeah, of course. I should say Adam picked game winner. Of course. Yeah, well, you got to have those winners in, in your family somewhere. I hope your bets are on a different horse. <laughs> you might want to go with game winner or win, 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 because in our family, those are the winners. <laughs> yeah, because uh, cutting humor is, they're going to leave a light out for cutting humor. <laughs> My horse last last look was fifteen to one, but hey, mine's twenty five to one. <laughs> that's what makes it fun. That's why you gotta bet. That's when you win the money. Yeah, and it happens very seldom. It would have that. Remember that one time that I w- I didn't know how to pronounce the name, and if I had knew- known the correct pronunciation, I totally would have picked that horse, and it was fifty to one. I'm yes. like, no, I didn't know that's how you say the name. <laughs> Phonics is not our strong point. <laughs> oh, damn reading. <sighs> okay, listeners. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you when we see you next. Well, hear you when you hear us next for The Godfather. Thank you very much. There you go. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. <laughs>